Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. It's a shame of it. You're going into pop and then they're looking at you then being refused. You're nearly crying out the doors, I think that it's inevitable. By 2031, PJ, we will have a cashless society. He was out of it, like, and he kept complimenting me. I didn't even feel safe in my own city. Join the conversation. Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96FM. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. All right. Morning, all. It's grotting enough weather-wise. I don't know how it's going to do later in the day. But looking into the week, and weather is so important in the next few days. Old Christmas shopping to be done and things like that. Uh, I get I get the weather forecast up in a second. See what we got for the rest of the day. I wouldn't be writing home about it. There will be rain. You can absolutely guarantee that. Uh, if it isn't here already, uh, we have a rainy afternoon ahead of us. Uh, but tomorrow's better. Wednesday's better again. Thursday's better again, and Friday is okay. So this might be the last of the heavy rain that we see for the rest of the week, which will be a, a pretty decent start. Good morning to you. 0818 96 96 96, the number of the text or WhatsApp, 083 396 96 96, and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. It's really hotting up now, lads. Really hotting up. We've 10 opinion line shows left to Christmas. Only 10. And is it 13 or 14 shopping days? Or 12? Do we count Sunday now? As a shopping day. I think we do. I think we do. There was a time when they did, but they do. I think we do. So we've, what? Yeah, 13 shopping days left to Christmas. Oh, yes, we do. I have a fantastic week of Panto giveaways for you. And I'll tell you in a minute how it works. But I want you to get involved with the show this week. Panto, as you know, in its truest form is all about audience participation and you're going to be part of this Panto giveaway this week. Our great friends at the Everyman Panto have given us two family passes every day this week and some of our great friends in the restaurant trade from around town have given us dinner to tie in with your Panto trip. But you're going to have to work for it. We're looking for audience participation and I shall tell you what we want from you in a few minutes. Need you to think about 
things Christmas, things panto, things to do with the dinner, things to do with the tree, things to do with toys, stuff like that. With only 10 shows left in the season, uh, we're, we're hotting it up over the next while. Later, we will talk also about... So many people are now are planning for the Christmas swim. Uh, sorry, not happening. You'll never get this battered old corpse into into the water on Christmas Day unless it's in somewhere like Lanzarote or or somewhere much warmer than here not going to happen but if it's your thing you need to be careful about it particularly if you're not someone who swims regularly in the sea and I don't mean in July I don't mean that that's coming up later and how to spot a rental scam they're everywhere they are absolutely everywhere and people have been fleeced for hundreds if not thousands of euro on a regular basis so we'll figure out how to spot some of them. And I'll talk to someone who was a musician at Shane McGowan's funeral about what seems to be... You know what? If I died tomorrow, that's the kind of funeral I'd want. It, it was the party to end all parties in the church in Nina. I mean, they even danced around the coffin, for pity's sake. It was brilliant. What a send-off for Shane McGowan on Friday. And I'll talk to Kukur... Leah Hahn, who's there as a member of Cole Coulee. I did not know until the weekend that Shane's wife, Victoria, had a Cork connection. I didn't know that. You learn something every day in this business. So all of that to come on a busy morning. But start thinking about how you might take part. Here's what I'm going to do with you, right? So today, I'm going to give you dinner. Dinner at Gallagher's. And you'll go to see Beauty and the Beast... On Friday the 29th at 7, a family of four pass, and I have two of them. So two passes for a family of four to see Beauty and the Beast on Friday 29th December at 7 o'clock. And before that, we will send you to Gallagher's down there on McCurtain Street, Gallagher's Gastro Pub, for dinner. And you will need to think about this for me, and I would really love if you came on the air to tell me about it. So we can give them to you. Two prizes. We'll do more about that during the morning. But first, uh, early last week, um, Stephen Fox went out to see what the youngsters are expecting from the man in the red suit with the white beard. Uh, two weeks is what? Not even that. It is two weeks today. Two weeks today. What will the man in the white beard have brought? What? This time two weeks as the rashers go on. Um, what will they be tearing out of boxes under the Christmas tree. Stephen went to St. Patrick's Junior School on Gardner's Hill and he was talking with the students about the big man coming in a couple of weeks and also to some of the teachers. My name is Anna and I'm an SUT teacher here in St. Patrick's Infant School on Gardner's Hill. It's my first year teaching here this year so we're all excited about the Christmas buzz. And what kind of things have you been getting up to on the lead up to Christmas? The junior infants have a junior infant show where they sing eight different songs so there's a lot of practicing going into that now, the different songs and the actions because obviously it's their first year in school so they're really excited about that and then the senior infants have a nativity show as well so they're doing a lot of practicing learning their lines and we had the parents in yesterday actually doing up the corridor and the hall with all the Christmas decorations so everybody's really involved we're really excited for it. Do you want to give me your names? I'm named Bonnie. My name's Liam. And where are you from? I'm from Banishland. <laughs> Ethan's Hill. What are you expecting to get from Santi this year? I'm getting a dollhouse. 
course. And the doll, and the kitchen, and the playhouse, and the makeup set. I'm getting Supersonic Superstar, and Super Mario Wonder, Gujitsu, and a surprise. And what's your favorite thing about Christmas? Christmas decoration, and I'm toy, and you get to play with them, and you get to put up your Christmas tree. I like the Christmas dinners, hanging up the decorations, and getting the toys under the tree. My name is Troy. 21 Glamagon. My name is Caden. 31 Glamagon. And what are you expecting to get from Santi this year? Get a few cars and put it up the Christmas tree. And he's going to bring me a monster truck. The last thing is, he's going to bring me a remote control car. A car about a race car. Like a Mario race car. What's your favourite thing about Christmas? Put up a Christmas tree. Playing on my bike. Watching TV. Going in the yard. And I like playing games. And playing my toys. I like playing the game and sending watching TV and going out the front. My name is Alicia and I'm from Glenmouth Avenue. My name is James, but I don't know where I live, but I do know where my nan lives. My nan lives in Ballinderry Park. And what are you plan- hoping to get from Santi this year? My Barbie dream house. My generation does. I say I'm going to get a PC and some robo boats that like go in water and they like basically there's controllers and you control what they do. They can do flips and ramps. And what's your favourite thing about Christmas? The Christmas. The school show. Were you in it this year? An angel. My favourite thing is that you can hang out with your family and stuff like that. Just watch stuff and do like fun things. Michael, Ballandary Park, Ava, Cook. What are you expecting to get from Santi this year? It's what you got, I know. Come spine to make Trinosaurus. A doll. What kind of doll? LOL. What's your favourite thing about Christmas? You get toys, presents, putting up the decorations and putting up the tree. I'm Josh Mike from Cork. I'm Jalissa and I'm from Cork. And what are you hoping to get from Santi this year? PS5. I'm getting a phone. And what kind of phone are you getting? I don't know. What's your favourite thing about Christmas? Putting up the decorations. Putting up the decorations. My name is Chloe and I'm from Ireland. My name is Jasmine and I'm from Cork. What are you expecting to get from Santi this year? Wrapped up presents. And what are you hoping is in the wrapped up presents? Stitch. An alien. I'm going to up presents and I like squishy things and they're called squishmallows. And what's your favourite thing about Christmas? A snowman. Do you like building snowmans or what is it you like about snowmans? My socking of snowman and I have a Santa socking. And what about yourself? What's your favourite thing about Christmas? Uh, just throwing snowballs at my dad. Very good. I think definitely now being in the school is just seeing the excitement on the kids' faces and, you know, just all the buzz around it. I think the next three weeks of school are going to be quite difficult to get work done. But no, it's great. It's really exciting. Thank you, Dad. Stephen. Stephen Fox, who went to St. Patrick's Junior School on Gardner's Hill and uh, teacher Anna, who helped with it too. Thank you for that. That was nice. Nice kick-off to Monday morning. Ten more shows before Christmas. Right, what I want you to do. I think this is a brilliant prize and we have it every day this week, sending you to a different restaurant for dinner and then on to the panto at the Everyman. So today it's two family panto nights out. Friday, 29th December. The panto's at seven, but before that, we're going to send you to Gallagher's Gastro Pub for dinner. You and the family. Everymancork.com for all the details you need about the panto, which is 
Beauty and the Beast, with a modern twist, of course. So this morning, get on your text or your WhatsApp and tell me, in one good line or one good paragraph, what you love about Christmas in Cork. Why, of all the places in the world that you could be at Christmas, why would it be Cork? Simple as that. Of all the places you can be in the world at Christmas, why does it have to be Cork? There's a big prize at stake here. There's two family passes to the Everyman. And with each family pass goes dinner at Gallagher's on the 29th of December. So, why is Cork the place you want to be? Nowhere else. Nowhere else in the world except Cork to be here for Christmas. Why? Tell me why, in a good sentence or a good paragraph. Now, we might just get you to come on the air later to tell me about it, but get you started on the text of the WhatsApp, all right? And we'll read out some of the better ones we get you in the morning. So Cork is the only place in the world you want to be for Christmas. Why? Give me the reason why. 0818969696, the number, the text or WhatsApp for that competition, 083 396 96, 96. The only place in the world to be for Christmas is Cork. Why? Something I'm happy to do over the next week or two, if you want to send them in to me, is details of where the Christmas swims are on, because there's loads of them. And take the weight off the team here. You can send them directly to me. In fact, anything you want me to mention in terms of Christmas swims or Christmas walks or anything like that, pj at 96fm.e. Take the pressure off, Emer and Richard and Fergal for the next couple of weeks. Send these things to me, PJ, at 96mm.ie, particularly for Christmas swims and stuff like that. But if you're going to do a Christmas swim, you need to do it safely. We'll find out more next. The Big Drive Home with Izzy Showbizzy. On Courts 96FM. Join me weekdays from 4pm for a little bit more of this. I need you to scream and don't source for me right now. Ah! <laughs> I'll also be playing your favourite tunes on The Takeover, where you could win a voucher for Oak Fire Pizza. Hi, Izzy. I would love if you could play Northern Stick Season. It is the most contagious, just sing-along song ever. And with a surname like Show Busy, I'll have all of the latest entertainment news for you too. Join me weekdays from 4pm. The Big Drive Home With Clonakilty Food Company Spagball, tacos, pizza Clonakilty Black Pudding is the making of any meal So go on, be a rebel Cooks 96 FM 96 FM Oh this is going to go well This pantomime giveaway I can see people writing poetry already I mean it, writing poetry already And we're only 10 or 15 minutes into it That's great to see Why is Cork the best place in the world to spend Christmas. Why is it only Cork that you want to spend Christmas in? What is the best thing about Christmas in Cork? 083 396 96 96. As I said, there will be dozens of open water swims on Christmas Day. Right down the coast of East Cork, the coast of West Cork, people will take to the beach on Christmas morning, have a run into the surf, freeze the giblets off themselves and run back out again and try to warm up. And that's grand, and that's great. You won't catch me doing it. I haven't got the. I I just don't have the courage. But if you want to do it, you need to do it safely. And certainly, I wouldn't be doing it on my own to start with. I'd prefer to do it in a group, for example, and have it well organised. Killian O'Kelly is with the education manager 
the education manager for water safety with the RNLI, and he joins me. Killian, loads of people will go out for a Christmas Day swim, and the thousands of them, in fact, and they'll all come back safely. But there's ways to prepare, isn't there? Good morning. There is. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on the show. And, and I do think you should consider doing a Christmas Day swim, and I think your your listeners could text in about that. But if you, yeah, can, lift, if you can, if you can airlift me to warmer climes, happily. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. The, the um, as you know, tonight we're we're actually running a webinar about this. But it's it's during the whole festive season, Christmas Day, since Stephen's Day, New Year's Day. As you say, loads of people take to the sea. Um, yes, there is safe ways to do it. You mentioned there, never go on your own. That's 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 a no-brainer. Mm. Um, Wouldn't go on me on the height of July, you know. Well, well, true, true. Um, but also, you have to factor in the conditions. So we are in the middle of winter. So um, the sea doesn't always get the memo that there's a Christmas Day swim on or a St. Stephen's Day swim on. So you have to assess the conditions and make sure that the conditions on the particular day that you go in are suitable for swimming. For example, we had two storms over the weekend there, which would have created very, uh, it was very rough and very violent conditions at the shore with the amount of wind that was hitting the south and west coast of Ireland. So they wouldn't have been good swimming conditions. They would not have been safe swimming conditions. So even though Christmas Day only comes once a year, you, you do have to make sure that the conditions on the day are actually um, safe to, to, mm. to go swimming in. And and what we advise people who swim, since COVID, people swim all winter. And it's a very positive thing. I think it's a great thing that came out of COVID and, and a great, if you like, uh, effect of COVID that loads and loads of people have got into sea swimming all year round. But every time you get in the sea, make a decision and assess the conditions. And if you're any way unsure, don't go in. Like if you're looking at the beach and you're not sure today or the wind is coming from a strange direction today and it's creating waves to hit the beach, then it's very important that, that you make that decision to not go in. Just mm. just have the mulled wine, have, do all the other traditions, but, but don't run into the sea. Mm. On the actual enter in the sea, it is cold. You're right. I know you joked about helicoptering to a, a warmer climate, but it is cold when you enter the sea. The, the water is going to be under 10 degrees all around Ireland. Um, you should acclimatise as you enter the sea. So no jumping off a pier. Don't just immerse yourself quickly into the water. Mm. Um, people come down and you see young lads and think, oh, this would be a we jump off the end of the pier and the tide's in and it'll be grand. You can actually get a thing called cold water shock if you immerse yourself mm-hmm. too quickly into, into the water. So the way to do it correctly is, uh, is to walk in at a slipway or at a, a flat piece of beach or, you know, reef. But walk in very slowly and splashing the water up in you, which is awful, by the way. It's, it's yes, it's painful. Because <laughs> the, the, there's the thing, just stop your second, Killian. That's what they always used to say when the water is a little bit cold. Ah, get down in it, you'll be fine. Yes, and, and like if you walk in and you splash the water up, what you're doing is you're spreading out that little bit of shock. You're spreading out. And the way I always liken it to is, say you get into the shower and you forget to turn on the hot tap and you've only cold water hit you, you're going to gas. You're going to be, you're yeah. going to gasp and, and, and catch your breath. That's perfectly safe when you're standing in the shower. But if you've just jumped in off the end of a pier and there's four metres of water on it, and suddenly you're gasping, it can be enough to overwhelm. It can be enough to, to cause a bit of panic, people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, so our advice is to climatise slowly. It okay. can literally, can it not, Killian? And this is physiological, and we don't need to go into the explanation as to why. But it can and literally take your breath from you for that oh, split second. Yeah. 
Yeah, in a split second, it's it's called cold water shock consent. It does three things. In one second, it will do three things to your body. Not to get too technical, it will cause a gas reflex, it will increase your blood pressure, and it will double your heart rate. The problem, PJ, is those three things, even to a very competent swimmer, those three things can cause panic. Yes. And it's panic that can get people in trouble. Um, but the way to avoid it is to go in, uh, you know, slowly and acclimatize. But also... We always suggest have an entry and an exit plan. So, like, you know, decide where you're going in, decide where you're putting your clothes. Don't stay in too long. Um, it shouldn't take you all day to warm back up after a swim. The swim should be refreshing. It shouldn't leave you cold for the entire Christmas day. Yeah. If, you, if you're cold a couple hours later, you stayed in a bit too long. And there's no, I can't give you a certain amount of time. It could be one minute for one person, two minutes for another, and you could have someone else, could be three minutes, and they'd all be fine. But you don't want to stay in too long. You have to judge that based on your own kind of body shape and your own body makeup and how used to going in and out of the water you are. But have the woolly hat, have the roby. I know everyone gets slagging for the robies, but have the woolly hat and the roby. When you get out, get them on you, get dry, get warmed up uh, quickly. Mm. Don't don't be standing around in the in the in the shorts or the bikinis getting your Instagram photos in the wind on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Get warmed up when you get warmed up when you get out as quickly as possible. Um, it, it should be fun. Yeah, there'll be that little bit of <gasps> as you get into the water, but it should be a fun experience rather mm. than an experience that leaves you very cold. What's the best thing to have in the flask when you get out? Soup or tea or coffee? Or anything? Yeah, a hot drink. It does. You know, like I, I personally, I do hot lemonade. I only do it on Christmas Day. I don't know why, but hot lemonade or hot tea, something, something like that. Not something alcoholic. We don't like mixing swimming and alcohol at all. Um, and most people be swimming earlier in in the, in the day. But yeah, a little hot drink. But it's getting out of the wind will make the difference um, uh, a lot more uh, than than a hot drink. But the hot drink does feel nice. But get get make sure you get dressed and get out of the wind. As soon as possible, and don't underestimate the wind on Christmas Day. You can, you you could have a nice sunny day uh, where I am today. It's blue skies and there's no no wind. I'm up near Dublin today, and and um, it wouldn't be that bad to go swimming in. But you could have a day with, where it's windy and the the chill effect of mm. the wind as you run in and out. You, remember, you're running in the wind in winter in a pair of shorts or a pair of swimming togs. Like of course, it's going to get you cold. And the minute you start running down that beach, you're you're losing heat. Just remember that you're losing heat from the minute you run into the water. Water is a great conductor of heat. It will take the heat away from your body. It's fine for two or three minutes, but you don't want to be in there. You don't want to be the brave man doing, oh, I'm in the whole 15 minutes. I'm waiting on my mate to come down. No, get out of the water, get warmed up, mm-hmm. get the, the mulled wine or whatever it is, get the Christmas dinner into you, and, and you should enjoy it by just a short, sharp, uh, dip in rather than um, rather than the prolonged uh, you know swim around in the sea. Okay, you have that web- webinar. It's tonight at nine, eight to nine. And where yep. can people get it, Killian? Well, I've actually just sent your your station the link there. It's on. Um, all, if you go to any of our Ornali social media for any of our lifeboat stations in Cork or indeed anywhere in Ireland, you'll you'll see that the link is advertised there and you just it's usual, you just register PJ. And we'll we'll have a, a question and answer session. We'll cover some of the topics I've covered here in a bit more depth. We'll talk about cold water shock. And if people have questions about weather about decision making, about what they should and shouldn't do, the webinar is a great opportunity to do that. All right, Killian, thank you. Killian O'Kelly.
is education manager with the RNLI, the lifeboats. And of course, they will be working all over Christmas. The lifeboats will be on call Christmas Day, like everybody else, every other emergency service. And we will at one point or other try to go through a list of everyone who is working on Christmas Day. And next week, I'll give you the opportunity to text me in who's working Christmas Day. Because when I go to compile my own list, I always leave somebody out. Thanks, Killian. 0818969696. We'll share the details of that webinar, but it's on their website, any one of their, any one of their social media, the RNLI social media, Facebook, for example. You'll be able to find the details of that webinar tonight. 0818969696. I already have about four pages <clears throat> of people telling me what's brilliant about Cork at Christmas and why Cork is the only place you want to spend Christmas. I will give you some of them. Uh, even this side of 10 o'clock. But uh, remember the prize that's on the table for this. And this is a beauty, and I love doing this every year with our friends at the Everyman, where the Panto opened just at the weekend there, the weekend before last, and the reviews are huge. It's a fantastic show. And yes, I mean it. Just for a second, what I mean is. And it's Beauty and the Beast with a modern Panto twist. And every day this week, I have two family passes. Two families will go to see it on the 29th of December, Friday, at 7 o'clock. And then before that, we'll send you to Gallagher's Gastro Pub for dinner. Uh, two prizes to be given out. And we want to find out from you on 083 Why is Cork the best place in the world to celebrate Christmas? We've given away thousands of euros. On the Cork's 96FM 10K Toy Giveaway. That was the most highest pitched scream I've ever heard. Oh my god, they're waiting for the call. Congratulations, you brought some money for the two toy shop as well! Oh, I'm dropping on my back. Thanks so much, Izzy. Thank you. You know Christmas. I love Christmas. Merry Christmas. We've just given away 10k. With your local credit union helping you have a wonderful Christmas. Stay listening for the next big way to win. Only on Cork's 96FM. Right, some of what's coming in. Why is it that Cork is the place to spend Christmas above all other places to spend Christmas? Sheila puts it into a simple sentence. Cork is so homely, lovely size, and so friendly. And Michael says, Cork, the best reason to spend Christmas here is C for Christmas, O for overjoyed, R for reindeer, and K for kids. Thank you, Michael. PJ Grupp in Balafahan. I went to school in Turner's Cross to Cree Street right up to Leavencert. I mean, so did I. Moved to Cove in 1998. Owned my first house there. Fell in love with this place. However, the buzz in Cork City, especially this time of year, I still love it. I have the best of both worlds, really, living in a beautiful harbour town and my home city just a few minutes away. What's best in Cork is the people. Aren't we grand? says Jimmy Horgan. And Paul says, even though the kids are 25 and 17, it's great to wake them up and watch as the wrapping paper goes flying. Why else would I want to be anywhere else? Paul, I can totally identify with that. The twins are 26 this year and they are looking forward to Christmas as much as when they were six. And that's the magic of it. 0818969696. More of those and get them into me. Why is Cork the best place in the whole world to spend Christmas. Now, getting scammed, there's been too much of it. If I've taken one call about being scammed for rent, scammed about your bank, scammed for this and scammed for that, 
in the course of 2023, I've taken 100, 200 calls live on air from people who've been scammed in different ways or just caught out a scammer or are worried about a scam. And rental scam, well, they're just horrible with people losing thousands of euro in deposits on apartments and flats and places that just don't exist and getting caught up in all sorts of things. So many different kinds of scammer. Rent Dodo is a new website. It's a new one on me. And Connor McGarry is the founder and CEO of Rent Dodo. And Connor, you're setting out, making it almost your business in life to help people to avoid being scammed. Good morning. Good morning, VJ. Yes, uh, that's right. Um, I suppose one of our core uh, features is verifying people's identity. And I think that has become you know, the standard when you're renting in Ireland. Uh, I suppose the things to look out for are you know, there's obvious red flag signs, you know, the landlord, the room host is out of the country. You know, so that's, that's an instant red flag. You know, don't be paying, uh, you know, deposits to anyone that's in the UK or France or wherever. Or if they say they're out of the country, you know, they'll meet you. Um, like that's a red flag. You know, middlemen controlling the flow of information, that's another red flag. The only mean then you should be trusting are letting agents because they're regulated. But if someone else is kind of acting as that middleman operator, that's, you know, that's a red flag. Um, watch out for ads on social media because they're less regulated mm-hmm. uh, they're not as monitored as much use reputable websites and um, letting edge websites you know the main directories for posting ads um, and then when it gets down to it like you know okay if you've identified a property or indeed or just a room you know, you're looking to rent you, you should insist on photo ID like that that should be just a minimum standard um, and then other documentation as well that prove, that prove that they're a genuine landlord such as I would say a local property tax receipt. Um, their most recent registration of a lease with the Residential Tenancies Board, you can get proof of that because if they're if they're you know if they have a track record as a landlord, they'll have you know registered with the RTB. And um, so these are the sort of things you know that tenants should be kind of arming themselves with the questions. And no landlord will have an issue with this because what's happening is. Yeah, I suppose there's a, a supply demand imbalance that's mm. driving these scams, and scammers are kind of aware of it. And they're putting undue pressure on people. And people feel like, oh, well, I have to secure this rental, you know, and, and, and he's going to pay the deposit today. You know, most landlords are, are willing to wait a couple of days, you know, for people to get their, you know, things together, you know, and, and make sure that, you know, that people are ready, you know, that they are range of viewing. Uh, and then, you know, at the viewing, you know, you should share identities and things like that and, and make sure everyone, you know, who to say they are, look for proof of ownership. That doesn't have to be done, you know, instantly now, you know, like... That can be a couple of days process, so I wouldn't feel coerced or pressured into you know passing over money. Um, other things to watch out for are you know paying to a non-Irish IBAN. Yeah. Now IBAN fraud, I suppose it's called authorized push payments, where you know you're kind of duped into paying over money, and so you actually did pay over the money. That's something that the European Commission is looking at to publish proposals to kind of strengthen consumer rights there. But in the meantime, without that, where you, you're not automatically entitled to a refund, just be aware of that. You know, make, make sure you pay to an Irish bank. And like landlords are, you know, invariably probably going to be living in Ireland. They're going to be, you know, here a long time. They're going to maybe operate a couple of rentals. They're going to have an Irish bank account. They're going to have an Irish passport. You know, and things like that. So those are things you should be insisting on. Um, I think um, 
as well, you know, working with a letting agent is, is always advised. You know, they're regulated by the property service regulatory authority. So yeah. that's something, you know, to, 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 to prefer, you know, when you're, when you're renting, yeah. Let's go through a couple of things there that you were talking yeah. about, um, except uh, reputable websites. One of the biggest problems with scams we come across all the time, Connor, is perfect-looking copies of reputable websites. Identical. Yeah. In fact, I was only talking on the phone last week to a woman um, who, were, who was caught. Now, she was caught for 200 euro on an identical double of a well-known yeah. website. That's um, now at the moment in Ireland, there are no um, that I'm aware of portals that are accepting deposits and rental payments through a web a website. Like, okay, you you have Airbnb, that's more for holiday lettings, short term lettings. But the other portals that exist, you know, Daft, My Home, etc., um, don't accept payments through their website. So okay. if a property website comes along and says, "Look, pay me through the website," and you've never seen this website before. That's probably a red flag in, in my mind. I know that in other kind of areas of kind of consumerism, like say, you know, on post, you know, for instance, you get those kind of fake SMS messages from on post or, yes. or you know, from a bank. Yes, those websites can look, they can look legitimate, but um, you just have to be very careful about anything that comes into your mailbox or into your text message. That it's invariably probably spam at this stage, certainly with text messages. It's, I'm just getting them daily at this stage. You know, when was the last time someone legitimately sent you a link by text message to make a payment? Probably never, you know, so, so mm-hmm. that, that's, you know, something. With property, it's more the case of, uh, you know, the, the, what they might do is they might rent a place on Airbnb or something like that, or they might just have kind of got possession of a property over a weekend. And then what they'll do is they'll set up a series of viewings and then they'll take deposits from people. And it looks like a legitimate operation, but they could have scammed 10 people out of it over the one weekend and then they've vanished, you know, yeah. so, and they've, they've taken a lot of money. So that's the sort of thing the Gardaí are reporting. That sort of. Gardaí, you know, they were the first port of call. If your scam goes to Gardaí, they have a unit looking into this, they, you know, and they, they, they might be aware of scammers operating in that area. Mm-hmm. Definitely report it to the Gardaí if, if that is the case. That's the first port of call. Should um, you learn how to reverse search an image, Connor? Uh, there was yeah. one scam we covered a couple of years ago where there was a beautiful looking apartment uh, so purportedly here in Cork, in actual fact it was in Brussels, but it took some reverse imaging to find it. You can, Google will do reverse image search for you, you can pop the image in Um, it's not necessarily that straightforward but you know like things like, you know, for instance you know, a property from another city will have you know, noticeable signs that are, you know, are different to kind of a typical Irish property. But yeah, using a reverse image search, you can use it on Google, and that will kind of throw up. You know, there might be some sort of identifier on it as well. You know, that, that might throw back. You know, this is based in another country somewhere it's from Airbnb, and definitely, I would be, I would be doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In terms of ensuring the person renting is who they say they are, and you talked, you talked there about looking for certain things. What would make people, and particularly young people, and I think students, what would make them nervous, Connor, is trying to do that in a landlord's market and they feel, God, I'm going, I can't afford to be awkward or I'll lose out in the True. landlord's uh, market. And that's what makes people very nervous. You're completely right in your advice. I, I think landlords should also start to look at this, it's in their interest as well to keep the market, you know, operating properly and correctly. I think it would be, you know, landlords out there, you know, they should be, you know, facilitating this as well because, you know, if they don't, you know, 
suddenly then, you know, the, the market then becomes, you know, it, it's in big trouble. And then, you know, we don't know what the next steps are going to be, what sort of, you know, there could be a lot of, you know, new things, you know, hoops that landlords might have to jump through, you know, decent landlords, suppose landlords out there are. Um, so I definitely think, you know, landlords should facilitate this, should bring a, a copy of, a, you know, a passport or a dri- an Irish driving license, bring a copy of proof of ownership of the property. Okay. And I don't think, I don't think the tenants should be afraid. I don't think, I don't think that's the sort of market we want to operate in. I think they should insist on that. And if all tenants were doing that, then yeah. Yeah, that would bring the change, you know. Yeah. Um, I understand that some people aren't, they might be n- newly living in Ireland or they might be students who are new, new to the rental market. They, they might be aware of these things, but I definitely think the, the standard advice out there should be to insist on is this person, you know, who they're claiming to be and what is their connection to the property. Yeah. A couple of very legitimate businesses that we all use every day that are both fantastic in their own way but they're also a happy hunting ground for the scammer. I speak particularly, Connor, of Revolut and Facebook. Take Facebook first. Lots of perfectly legitimate businesses on Facebook. It's also crawling with scammers. Yeah, um, I suppose one particular area is the Facebook groups, which are kind of like privately run groups. They're not businesses. They're purporting to be business, but they're run as these kind of groups. And we've noticed that there are ads that appear on those pages that aren't legitimate. You know, and you can tell, you know, again, they're lowballing the rent or they're using fake images or they're using this middleman operator who's controlling the flow of information. Those are red flags, you know, and, and I would be very, very wary of, of kind of um, those groups. Um, you mentioned Revolut. Uh, well, Revolut is, you know, is regulated like any other bank. Yeah. They do have Irish IBANs now. Yeah. What uh, I mean is it's, it's almost a way of life for young people. Revolut yeah. is how they operate. And... You'll see, oh, if you send me, if you revolute me a thousand euro, I'll pay your first month's deposit. Like, when it's gone, yeah. it's gone. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose that's with any bank, paying, paying by any bank, you know. Um, it, you know, setting up a revolute account is easy, but it's still, you still go through the same hoops that setting up with any other bank account. It's just, just the paperwork is more streamlined, but you still have to do the, you have to do diligence, you know, your, your ID verification and all of that. So I, I wouldn't be, what I'd be more worried about is, Paying money to someone that, first of all, you know, someone that's giving me the deposit, you know, and I say, well, who are you? You know, if I don't think you're the landlord uh, and I haven't seen the, the house or the, the apartment and I haven't checked the keys in the door, which is another thing people should be insisting on is checking the keys in the door when they do the viewing. And um, then, OK, you can pay the deposit. Um, but just paying it, you know, on a whim, whether it's through Revolut or through AIB or Bank of Ireland or whatever, you know, that's. You know, you, you should never do that unless you've got everything else identified in terms of the landlord's identity, the property ownership, and then checking the keys, working the door is a good one. You know, you talk about getting a landlord to choose you. How does that work? Yeah. So I would have I would have everything ready. I'd be you know always ready to uh, you know rent your next property. Um, so have your rental history, your full rental history ready, your full you know your re- written references ready. Have references from previous landlords. And in those references, you should be specifying things like, you know, was the deposit returned in full? That, that's a positive. You should be, you should be putting that in there. And um, things like, you know, RTB um, registrations and things like that, that there was no disputes. You know, put that into your, 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 um, uh, into your references. So make sure that, you know, you, it's, it's like building a CV essentially and have all of those things ready. Um, and then, uh, you know, rent out our own website. We have a thing called tenant search, which is, it's like an application form that you can use over and over again for any rental property, whether on Rentodo or on any other portal, and you can share a unique link to it. We have rental history in there, references in there. 
income verification is something we do. We use income verification without using bank statements. So that's, you know, maybe a safer way people will want to kind of show that they're able to pay the rent without having to provide, you know, six months of bank history. Um, and then, you know, have your ID ready as well. They'll, they'll want to see an ID. Um, but, you know, it's like I would treat it as like, you know, applying for a job at this stage. You know, you, yeah. you want to get to the top of the queue. You want to have the best looking CV. So have all of your, your information ready. Lastly, Connor, there is the belief out there that the scammer is always one step ahead. I think you want to let people know that technology is catching up. Yes, uh, they'll, they'll find the weak points. That's, that's where it is. The weak point is, you know, uh, I suppose you know, the supply demand imbalance in the market at the moment is creating you know, pressure on people. That's a weak point. Now, that's, that's something that, you know, will come and go maybe um, and scammers will always be kind of pushing for weakness. But what, you know, what we're doing at the moment is we're verifying people's identities. They upload a copy of their passport. We do a live selfie, which is kind of like a liveness check. It takes about 20, 30 seconds. That's something that you can do that, you know, if you're dealing with someone on, on a social media platform, you, you don't know who they are because you can easily create a fake uh, account. They're not doing, you know, the ID checks you know, to sign up to those websites. So I think the way technology has to go is to look at verifying people, you know, make sure you're the real people. Um, so that's, that's a good, you know, in the technology, you know, that while it is kind of people might be wary of it, if it brings good in terms of, you know, eliminating scammers, discouraging them, um, that's a good thing overall. Okay. All right. Rent Dodo. People can look that up. Rent Dodo. Uh, site where you can, it's Connor's uh, website. It's for avoid property fraudsters. Rent Dodo. Thank you, Connor McGarry. 0818969696. PJ, I was looking for accommodation for my daughter in Cork in September. The amount of scammers on the rental Facebook pages is frightening. Under one post of a young man looking for accommodation, I counted 15 scammers responding to his request. And that's from Dawn. Check this out. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. Let's have some fun. Every afternoon I play the best tunes in Cork from... Come on, introduce yourself. This is Dearly Fast. Hey, we're a picture this. Hey, it's Keen Crow. I'm digging out all those Christmas classics for you. And, of course, I'm having you on for a chat. Hi, Simon. How are you? And don't forget the giveaways. Oh, I'm so excited. Thanks so much. That's great. Talk to you weekdays from 12. Simon Murdoch. Midday to 4 p.m. With First South Credit Union. For your needs are put before profits. First South Credit Union. Members come first. Is this, is this how we do it? Corks 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. I have to tell you, at some stage this hour, I'm just going to have to stop and give four or five minutes to our entries for our Everyman Panto competition because I have pages and pages and pages and pages of them. And we've got two prizes every day this week. We're going to send you to see the Panto at the Everyman, you and the fam, four people, and then we're going to send you to dinner before it. Uh, Today, for example, Gallagher's Gastro Pub will host you for dinner and then you will go to see the Everyman, the Panto, uh, Beauty and the Beast on the 29th of December. It's a Friday at 7 o'clock. I love those days after Christmas, actually, don't you? You know, Stephen's Day, that's a big day. Christmas Day, of course, is the big day. Then the 27th, 28th, and 29th of December. 
they are just the best days. I love those days. Those are the days where if you want to have a selection box while watching Netflix at 8 in the morning, you can. You absolutely can. And those are the days when you can sit there in your pyjamas at 3 o'clock in the day with a tin of chocolate Kimberly biscuits and a bottle of Coke watching junk. You can. Because that's what they're for. 0818969696. But if you want to get in on that, to be one of the winners of that competition today, text me why Cork is the best place in the world to spend Christmas. Why is Cork the best place in the world to spend Christmas? And I might tell you now, I have pages of them. So I'll take a break in a little while and go through some of them for you. 083 396 Now on Friday, there was it was live streamed. And as we watched it, or if you had a chance to watch it, and the bits that made the news and the bits that made social media, just, they were just fascinating. And I think any one of us, uh, if we were to pass away in the morning, would love a funeral that was half the party that uh, Shane McGowan's funeral was. I mean, talk about party central to see him off. It was remarkable. Remarkable, and at the heart, at the heart of it, at the heart of the Requiem Mass, uh, helping to supply the music because it was a cast of dozens, hundreds, was Cor Coulee from Cork. Now Cor Coulee was founded by the great Sean O'Reilly, and is led by his son Padder, and they've performed dozens of funerals. They've been at dozens of funerals. They've performed for presidents, and they've performed for the great and the good for many, many years. But Friday was something different. Cahour O'Lehan is a member of Cor Coulet, but also a reporter with The Echo. And reading your account, uh, Cahour, the thing I said to myself was, if I was gone tomorrow, that's the funeral I'd want. Good morning. Um, good morning to you, um, PJ. I suppose... None of us looks forward to our own funeral, and um, at, but at the same time, Shane McGowan definitely had a a funeral that um, yeah. all I, of us who were there will remember. I wasn't aware till I read your piece that his wife had very strong connections to Cork. Yes, um, she lived um, locally here, and um, well, on the road between Ballyvorney and Cooley, and um, for. And she went to the local school, um, Colosh Compton. Um, well, it was Garm School Compton at the time. Um, she had gone before that to um, the national school in Kilimacra. And um, I, I, I went to a different school in the locality, Colosh Isagarn, and she was in the in the tech, as we'd call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but she got one of the outstanding marks for the leaving cert at the time, and her name was up on a certificate on the wall in the. Which, in, in, in the school for years afterwards. So would she be a Gael Gore then, Crahor? Well, I suppose she would have been a Gael Gore in the sense that, you know, Irish was the medium of education, but, um, you know, I, I didn't know her that well, you know, as such, I, I wouldn't have been hanging around with her at the time, but at the same time, she was um, yeah. she was in the area, so she probably had some Irish, all right, but I don't know how well she speaks it yeah. now or whether she speaks it at all. It was she made the call to the core, wasn't it? Yes, yes, um, she made the call to the choir. Um, was um, she would have experienced some of the funerals we were at in 
you know, when she was around, and um, and I suppose it kind of uh, she wanted us there. Anyhow, that's the yeah, and fantastic. When we got the call, we we you know the choir. Um, there's a strong cohort cohort locally, but there would be people you know all over the country who would have been in the choir and they would come to an event like that because. Um, conveniently enough um, Nina is very central in the country so it, it worked very well for us mm. In terms of the music you provided for for the funeral, go through it for me who, who did you accompany, who did you play with? Well we, we wouldn't have been accompanying anybody, we would have been singing our Your own, own stuff pieces, really, okay. because as I said you know um, you know the, the the rest of the music would have been, you know, Shane's own work. Yes. Um, and, you know, um, there wouldn't have been any real crossover there as such. Uh, but we were singing hymns that were composed by, um, or the music was composed by them for, by Sean Arreda and also by Padder. And, um, yeah. and one of the, one of the songs that was um, performed or was, I, I'm not sure performing is the right word for a funeral, but that we sang at it was a, a a hymn that my father wrote um, about funerals and so on. So it was kind of like um, there, there would have been a lot of traditional stuff and a lot of well, some 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 newer pieces as well that are um, that wouldn't be featured that often, um, except if you were going to funerals locally in the Ballyborne Cooley area. Yeah, you, you played him out on Mugilamar, which that's as tr- that that is your signature, really, isn't it? Well, it's it it is. Um, generally speaking, um, the choir wouldn't sing that um, at a funeral, but um, when it's requested that we sing it, we do. Yeah. Um, normally, we we would just play the the ear of it. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I was would taught- play the ear of it, of course. I was taught that song many years ago by a man who I believe was a member of the choir at one point, Donoghue Hay. He was a teacher in Cloister well, History. He's still a member of the choir. He, he wasn't there on, on, on Friday, but he's still a member of the choir. You know, he was singing yesterday Mass in, in, in Cooley on Sunday. Oh, God. Good for him. Uh, Give him my regards when you're speaking to him. I will indeed. I will indeed, Yeah. yeah. So it was definitely one of the most unusual afternoons I think the choir ever had. Yeah, well, it it it, it was. I mean, we're, we're used to seeing at funerals and other events like you know masses and weddings and the like. Um, and this was a, a real kind of a, there was a there seemed to be kind of a, a a two two different things going on at the same time. There was a party in terms of the people who knew Shane and his family and his wife and her sister and Shane's sister and so on. I mean, and they were grieving on the one sense and then they were celebrating his life on another and well, and then on the other side of it, there was the the, the ritualistic part of it, the, the funeral, the, mm-hmm. the prayers, the, the hymns and so on. And mm-hmm. um, But, you know, even though there was a kind of a, let's say, a tug of war between the two, it was really always respectful of both at the same time. And the priest, Father Pat Gilbert, who um, who was the pre, um, the chief celebrant, he kind of managed it very very well and very adroitly. And, you know, he kind of, he was a fan of Shane McGowan himself 
um, was very clear from his homily and so on. Yeah. So um, he, he kind of accommodated, you know, the different things. For example, Nick Cave didn't arrive at the same time as others and um, he would have been supposed to have sung earlier in the proceedings. But as as the priest explained at one stage, well, this is a live event and this is what's happening now. So, yeah. um, as far as I can recall, it was Imelda May and Declan O'Rourke who sang then and then... Um, um, they moved the ring later, and he he he, he had, did really nice and sore, didn't he? He did, yeah. He more or less came in, sat down for a moment, was spoken to by Glenn Hansard, and then sat down on the piano um, without any sound check or apparent rehearsal or anything, and just um, told the band it's in the key of C, and then started and. <laughs> <laughs> it was magical that because of one of my favourite songs myself. It's a lovely song. And the more you hear it over the last few days, the, the more you realise that it was a gorgeous song. It actually was. Prayers of the Faithful Crahore led by Johnny Depp. That's not something you think you ever gonna see, is it? No, no, it it, it wasn't. Um my, my daughter was very keen for me to, to speak to Johnny Depp, but it was impossible on the day. But uh, at at the same time, you know, they were all um, you know, Johnny Depp spoke about peace and forgiveness, and I suppose there was, um, in, you know, he was he was uh, articulating his own feelings on it and um, what they wanted him to say as well in that sense. And but there were other prayers of the faithful from people who were caring for him and mm. relatives and so on. Uh, and um, Liam and Lee also um, spoke about the diaspora, which I suppose Shane McGowan was one of the most or the more celebrated, you know, icons of our diaspora. Mm-hmm. And um, so there was, a lot, you know, there was a lot of thought and effort put into the funeral in the sense of, you know, getting the balance right between, you know, celebrating a life and also just... Um, Saying farewell and observing the rituals of the of the of the church as well, because you know it was made clear during the ceremony at several times that Shane and this wasn't something we any of us thought as such about Shane McGowan, but that he was very religious and mm-hmm. very devout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He had a statue of the Virgin Mary by his bed at all times, I believe. Well, yeah, what came, a, what of, came across watching um, the, the link? Huh? Yeah, well, sorry, what came across watching the link? and indeed came across in the days running up and the days after his death and I'm sure you must have got a sense of it sitting there in the church the extraordinary ferocity of love for this man Yeah, we did come across indeed um, in the the church Um, you know I suppose when we sing at funerals um, you know we see that for between the family and uh, and the, the the person who's 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 departed um, a lot, um, but you know there was more than that here because obviously um, Shane had a huge fan base, and you know in the church were his fans, also people who would have known him um, because he came to Nina and so on mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know that he was. A member of the parish, as such. Yeah. So there was there was a lot of different strands coming together in the church, and um, you know it was well. 
It was a very, I suppose, deeply felt funeral. I'm not saying that other, you know, sometimes you get the sense that celebrity funerals have its, um, you know, appearances and so on, but this was, well, it seemed to us anyhow, the people who were there, that so it seemed very, there was a deep bond between the people in the church and um, Shane. Yep, certainly, certainly over the weekend, the video clips that came out of it were remarkable. Kurhur Oliahan, member of Cor Kule and, and a reporter with the Echo, Cor Kule, an important part of the funeral on uh, on Friday. And I'm delighted to hear that my great old friend Donoka O'Hay is still with uh, the choir. My goodness me, that's going back to that's going back to well, too many years now. That when we when he taught us uh, Mugil Amar uh, 0818969696 speaking of the Pogue and Fairytale New York here, I was at a, I must mention this it's over now I don't think it's on again this side of Christmas but I was at a most beautiful event last night I discovered them entirely by accident the Queen Bee saw it on her social media and if you've never heard of them you need to get one soon they're called the Fever Concerts and they hold them up at the chapel in Griffith College and the whole place is full of candles. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of LED candles. Whoever has to set them up, it's an awful long day's work. In the middle of this sea of candlelight is a string quartet, a monster string quartet. It's just an hour there's only about 50 people in the venue and it is stunning. I was there last night for their Christmas concert uh, just an hour of Christmas music and they announced at the end that they were adding one more tune on to the programme as they said for obvious reasons and they gave the most extraordinary rendition of Fairy Tale of New York it was just tear jerking, it was beautiful and the whole show was fantastic look them up, the Fever concerts concerts by candlelight in the Griffith College Chapel. One of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. And we just found it by accident. And the missus says to me, will we go to that? And we did. That was wonderful. And we were getting calls and messages asking us to look into this uh, for a while now. So we're going to. That is kids asking Santa for skincare products. Kids that are, you would think, way too young to be looking at this kind of thing. Georgina and Louise with you in just a minute or two, but I want to go through some more of your entries, just two or three more of your entries, for why Cork is the best place in the world to spend Christmas. It's all for our everyman friends, our friends down the Evan, the Panto, Beauty and the Beast, and of course Gallagher's given fantastic prize away on the 29th December dinner at Gallagher's and the night at the Panto for not one but two families. PJ, I love Cork at Christmas. There's loads to do. The fabulous lights, bringing the kids for hot chocolate. The Santa and Leahy's farm was brilliant this year and all my family is in Cork to spend the time here. The Cork market and marina market's a fabulous place to bring my kids. They love it. They top it all off. They'd be delighted to go to the everyone. That's from Liz. I'm 26. We have an excited eight-year-old this year. We'd love the tickets, to be honest. But the thing we love about Cork is all of our family is here. We're so lucky. My daughter is so excited for all her toys and presents, but she has the biggest heart and says it's about spending time together. She doesn't care for materialistic stuff as much as she cares for her family. We can't wait to spend Christmas together with our extended family here in Cork, the greatest city on planet Earth. 
That's from Padraig. And one more this time. PJ, of all the places I could be at Christmas, nothing beats Cork. I'm surrounded by family and friends. I think Christmas is all about family. I couldn't imagine spending Christmas anywhere else. There's definitely no place like home at Christmas and lots more of those. But kiddies writing to Santa looking for skin care. Georgina, you've come across this. Morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. This this started on TikTok. Doesn't everything start on flipping TikTok? <laughs> oh, it starts on TikTok. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, if you go on to TikTok right now and just look up the word skincare routine, you will find thousands upon thousands of beauty bloggers or just ordinary Joe Soaps sharing their skincare routine. But the thing is, these are mostly women, I would say, probably 80%. Um, but there are people in their 20s and their 30s who mm. are sharing videos and they make it, you know, they do like this ASMR element as well of making all the little noises and making it all look really pretty and stuff, which, of course, to, you know, nine or 10 year old children, it's, it looks lovely. And, you know, they're afterwards, they've beautiful, clean skin. But the reality is these people's skin is a lot older than what these children mm-hmm. who are viewing it is, you know, mm-hmm. Um a friend of mine um, has a 10-year-old little girl and she has requested a specific brand and the stuff, the ingredients that is in it, like there's things like hyaluronic acid, retinol, that is for older skin. There yeah. is no way that a 10-year-old little girl needs anything along those lines, not for yeah. at least a minimum of 20 years. Your skin is still <laughs> growing, for pity's sake. Exactly, exactly. And I suppose children that age, do you know, like the, there's little things like these sheet masks that are just like a moisturiser-based thing, you know, something like that. Like, I mean, we could all do with moisture in our skin. There's, there's no doubt about that. And I suppose, like, little cleansers and things like that. But it's, it's all to do with how these things are branded. And I suppose a lot of these things have bright colours. Mm-hmm. You know, they have quirky names. And really, Nivea, your standard one, is probably going to do the same thing. Mm. Um, now, this is one particular brand that we're not naming, but it's, it's all over TikTok. And kids are yes. piling in looking for it. Yes, and this little girl that I was just mentioning asked her mother for a 200 euro voucher for Brown Thomas and a mini fridge for her bedroom so she could buy the products and have them kept in her little fridge in her room to do her skincare routine. Sorry, what age is she? She's 10. She already knows far too much about the world. She really does. 100%. 100%. And it's just, I suppose, like, look, I mean, the other thing, I suppose, like, I don't know, is it that she's, I think it's probably like a fun thing. You know, I suppose, like, when I was that age, I suppose you'd start playing with makeup and things like that. Mm. Whereas, I suppose, skincare is another element to it. Um, And... Look, I think with skin and like people trying to fight the aging process, it's it's a, it's a tale as old as time, you know. But I think probably for children their age, SPF is actually probably important because yeah. whether we like it or not, they're out in the elements all the time when they're out playing, and you know things are changing now. So there is that kind of element of their skin needs to be protected. But no way should they be using um, these products that are you, just far too advanced for their little skin. You know, you would wonder what a dermatologist would say of putting this stuff on ten-year-old skin. I'd say it would be kind of scary. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, retinol is not for the faint-hearted. Like, I suppose it, it, it's an acid. It's, it's a chemical and, like, it, it's basically burning off little layers of your skin because it, it, it fights off fine lines and things like that. So there's absolutely no reason why children should be wanting or using these products, you know? Yeah. yeah it's just, it's the world we live in. They see it on TikTok and they want it. And unfortunately, the hardest word for parents to say is, no, we, no, Santi can't bring that. 
Santi can't bring that, you know. Absolutely, yeah. And it's the way it's marketed. It looks fun. It looks quirky. It looks lovely. But like I say, Nivea is probably the exact same thing for a yeah. fraction of the price. It isn't as colourful as it isn't as Christmassy. Georgina, thanks. Louise, your daughter is 11. Hello, Louise. Hi, PJ. Hi. Hi. Your daughter's 11. Yes. Yeah, now let's not, we won't, we won't name any products here now, but, just, yes. but she's looking for skincare. Yes, yeah. So also, just like the, the previous caller, she basically touched on everything. It's the TikToks, the YouTube, and they're watching how they're doing it, and obviously with all the colors. And so she obviously did say to me, look, this is what she wanted. And um, about six months ago, I got onto this app called Yuka. Um, which we actually started using it for food products um, where you scan the food products because I think like most people, they say look at the back of the packaging and you look at it and half the time you don't know what, what it is that's on the back of the packaging. So yeah. this Yuka app we started using for food um, where it gives you a rating of uh, excellent, poor and bad um, and it's, gre- it's color-coded green, orange and red. So if you scan it, it's between a zero and a hundred percent. And what's nice about the app is that when you go into it, it actually tells you that it's got, let's say, six hazardous uh, red hazardous um, products or ingredients. And then you can actually click on the actual um, ingredient and read up on why it's bad for you. So, I mean, it, it's a brilliant app. So what's it called? Spell, then, it, spell it for me, it, Louise. It's Y-U-K-A. Yeah. Yuka, okay. Yeah, and then we, we actually realized that you could do it for cosmetic and skincare. So we, my mom and I, have been going around the shops and actually scanning them. And like what you would think is a brilliant product is actually coming up with very bad hazardous stuff in it. And then it tells you why it's hazardous and why you shouldn't be using it. Um, so when my daughter then obviously came up and said, no, this is what she wants for Christmas, she wants to doing a, her routine care, I said, I'm not going to be buying all these colorful what's on TikTok. I said, we will go into the shops, we will scan, and whatever moisturizer and, and face wash comes up with a good rating, we will get that. I said, if you're honestly wanting to do that, and that's the reason why you're wanting to do it, because you want to look after your skin, that is, and she was happy with that, and we found a we found a product, um, and she does it every morning mm-hmm. um, and every evening, and it, it it comes up as an excellence. It comes up green, and there's no hazardous. Mm-hmm. So I think kids just like we should be looking after our skin, you know, seven and eight, but uh, just a moisturizer and a yeah. and a face wash, but. There's a thing, Louise, that, you know, I mean, I'm, my, my kids are, are, are much older now, but I, when I think of little girls of 9, 10, and 11, yeah. and, and they're asking Santa or their parents yes. for these kind of skincare products, is it just me, and am I being old-fashioned? Maybe I am, I don't know. Has something gone wrong with the world, Louise? No, it is. It's the TikToks and the YouTubes. Unfortunately, the social media that we live in now, um, you know, you get your kids coming and asking you for things and you're like, what is that? And you, then they come and they show you it on TikTok and you're like, yeah, but that's, that's not, uh, like I keep trying to tell my daughter, that's not, they're getting paid to promote that product. 
Mm-hmm. So every time you click on their link or every time you do, they're getting paid for that. So they'll tell you every good thing about it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it might not be suitable for, it is, 20-year-olds, uh, 30-year-olds, they're all doing it. And then the, the, the kids of 9, 10, 11 are thinking, well, we should be doing it as well. Yeah. So it, 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 unfortunately, it's just the world of social media and, you know, it's the more products that we can or, or like apps and stuff like that that can be made to actually help is a lot easier, you know, to explain to them it's, it's not good for you. Okay. And this is why, because you can't just say no. Like you've got to explain to them why you do and this app is really good because even when we go into the shops and she asks for something to uh, a sweet or a, I'll say to her well let's you it and I know uh, <laughs> 9 out of 10 a sweet will come up very bad because it's sugar and yeah. um, all the additives and the hazardous stuff so then she'll look and she'll go, oh, okay, all right. And then right. she'll put it back. Gotcha. So That's interesting. So, and the nice thing, I only found out about a week ago because you have to go in and you have to scan the app. And it does come up with a premium at the bottom. So I thought, well, let me just go into the premium, have a look. And the premium allows you to actually, you don't have to go into the store to find the product and scan it. You can actually search for it. And it was 10 euro for the year. Mm. And I thought, well, I mean, at 10 euro for the year, <laughs> you, you can't go wrong with that. So we've actually, I've done the premium now, and I can actually search up the, um, at the products. Oh, right. um, and so I, I think it's a really good so app. So this is like an app, this is like an app, Louise, for like a Google for what's in stuff. Yeah, basically, because wow. I don't know what all these big names, fancy names are. Like people say, yeah, there's E14 and E9, and yeah. I don't know what that means. So when you, when you scan the app and you go and you click in it, and it brings up E14, and then you can click on that, and it tells you exactly what E14 is, Fantastic. what it does to you, what it does to the body. So I must admit, it's whoever made this app, has, uh, uh, and I mean, I use it now for everything. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Listen, good talking to you, Louise. Appreciate that. Uh, you've got the experience of an 11 year old asking for products that are probably for people much, much older. But this is new to me. I didn't know it. I'd never heard of it. I'm sure it's news to you too. Yuka. Y U K A. Yuka. It's an app and checks the ingredients of stuff and tells you whether they're good and bad for you. Well, have you had any youngsters writing to Santi? Um, have you been posting Santi's letter and had a look at what's in it? And skincare, and she's eight, or she's nine, or she's ten. Uh, skincare products, uh, particularly under a, a name we're not using, but it's there. And they're all over TikTok and all over YouTube. Um, and they may not be suitable, as Georgina said you know, people in their 20s and 30s and 40s use these things because their skin has developed and matured, but not a kid, but they are. Hundreds of kids are asking for, eight, nine and ten-year-olds asking for skincare stuff from Santa. As Georgina said, her friend, as a ten-year-old, who asked for a voucher for skincare from Brown Thomas and a mini-fridge for her bedroom to keep it in. Listen. Listen. Listen to your favorite shows on the go. Download the Corks 96 FM app. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Christmas in Cork has everything. The lights, the atmosphere, the buskers singing. You can ice skate and ride the wheel and much, much more. Buy all your gifts and shops galore. The Marina Market has it all. Visit Santa in his fabulous hall. There's no other county has all of them. And to top it all, the best radio station, 96 FM, would love to win this prize for my daughter's ninth birthday on the 29th December. She's never been to the Panto. That's from Donna, and that's the night we're giving away. Donna, you're in the draw with everybody else, and I have loads more of them, loads more, which I'll get to in the fullness of time. But I'm joined for a chat by Liam O'Higgin, a historian and Corkonian, and full of stories about Christmas and Cork in general. And there are, the traditions have changed so much over the years, but at the bottom of it all, when you drill it all down, Cork and Christmas, well, there's a, just a few things that remain. Liam, you grew up down in, in Henry Street, wasn't it? Down there near the Mercy Hospital. Down by the Mercy Hospital, uh, PJ. Yeah, yeah. And to I the, thought he must have had me on. I, I lost you there for a while. Ah, you never lost me, boy. You never lost me. <laughs> Holly well, and you Ivy. You'd, you'd, be, you'd be getting Holly and Ivy, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. That, you see, you mentioned it there a while ago that from from a children's point of view, well, Christmas Day was exciting, all right. But, but to us, growing up in the middle parish, when we had very little, now, at the time, we thought we had nothing, but we had everything, and we didn't realise it. Um, you know, it was getting ready for Christmas Day. You know, we had planks where we went out to Madhouse Road, as we was call it, the Lee Road. And we just <laughs> you didn't call it that, Liam, did you? <laughs> 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 we, didn't, we didn't know any better. I love it. Go on, anyway. <laughs> and the caravan was with the straight road in the story. Yeah. And we'd go to straight road and in the lead road. And we had planks out there. There weren't planks at all. Everyone knew where they were. But we thought no one knew around us. Where we got our Holly and Ivy and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The summer, and we got trousers and tight clothes. But anyway, that was the preparation for Christmas. Mm. And that was very exciting for us because we'd go in town and we'd be in round Woolworths and Robert Day is looking at the big tree and setting mm. stuff like that, you know, and comparing with the one or two centies that were... I'm going back to the 40s now, PJ Right, OK. So, I mean, lots of people are saying that they, have, they hadn't money. Yeah. I remember, I remember a massive train set. Um, I can't in, remember. In Robert Day's. Yeah, and there was Buckley's Window as well was another one, wasn't it? 
Well, that was after, yeah, that was after my time again, oh, you see. I was before all these fellas. <laughs> As I say, going back to the 40s. Yeah. And, um, and, and your mum, your mum used to, used to buy stuff antique, was it? Yeah, you, you, the, the corner shops, you know, around Henry Street, you know, the, there was three or four shops, Mrs. Darts, Horrigan's, Manning's, mm. which the, the building is still there, and, this, and Mrs. Mullins. And we were their customers, all the people around that area. Mm. And you went in during the week, and you got, uh, we say, four or five. We just say you got a half dozen eggs. Yeah. You didn't hear from cheap rollers into a book. And the next day, then you might get bread and butter, and that went into the book. And you paid on a Friday or a Saturday then. Mm. Mm. And if you were coming up to Christmas, then if you were a good customer, she'd give you a present. It could be, um, depending on how good a customer you were, that you were paying regularly and all that stuff. You might get a Christmas cake or you might get a Christmas candy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. And, um, you know, you'd be delighted. And as I said, Timor, you bought and you eat. If you got a half dozen eggs, you brought them home, they were eaten straight away. There was no fridges. Mm. You bought and you eat it. Yeah. And uh, if you got meat, we say for Christmas Day, but it, whatever you got, I can't remember what we... But one thing is certain, anyway, I don't ever remember as a child getting a turkey. No? No, no, no. What, what would Santa I, bring, Liam? What Santa would bring <laughs> to me? A going on a holster. <laughs> a, a pop gun, a pop rifle, you, you stuck it into a parade or... And it would pop over when you pull the trigger. The predators, I, I had run them myself. The pot gun, yeah. You take a feather's eye out with them. You know, there was a the bit of string tied on to it and a cork. A cork, as we used to call them. And that was flared as well. Yeah. And we had pea shooters and catapults and yeah. well, all that kind of stuff. Weapons, you know, like we, 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 we gave our children weapons and we didn't think twice about it. It was great. On Stephen's Day, they'd go to the cinema, wasn't it? Well, the cinema was the, pal- the palace, which is the everyman out, and the Coliseum. And you'd queue up at the palace, and you'd get a barley sugar, yeah. and, and a bag of sweets. No, that was, that was very important, the bag of sweets and the sh- barley sugar. You might have sweets at home, but when you got up and running, went into the cin- cinema, that was a different story. Yeah, like. barley sugar and, uh, was lovely. There'd be queues going in, you'd have to get off very early to make sure you got in there and stuff like that. But um, and another thing, another great thing about the preparation again for Christmas was the carol singing. Right. And we used to sit down across from the Mercy Hospital. Joseph Sullivan's had a store there mm-hmm. with a lovely high step, and we'd all sit in the step, and we'd be singing carols up to the, the windows in the Mercy. Right. You know, there was only one song we we knew that was silent night, <laughs> and uh, eventually all the windows would open, and the patients would throw pennies up. No, I hate me, even out the window. Brilliant. Oh, yeah, they'd be scattered on the ground in all the bare life. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and another thing, in that area now as well, the pluckers. There was a couple of hundred, well, I'd say a hundred pluckers right. in the farm at that time. And they'd all, they'd all, you'd know Christmas was coming when the pluckers would pass up Henry Street from the north side and the south side, and all their shawls would be covered in feathers. Right, and they were going off to the farm turkey pluckers to do the plucking. And it was a lovely. It was looking back, and it was lovely. Mm. And the farm products had a store across from the Mercy Hospital, and they had a store down further down Henry Street. Mm. And we said Christmas week they'd be up, they'd have so many turkeys and chickens and ducks and everything up, and they'd transfer some of them down to the the lower one down Henry Street. 
and a couple of men would shepherd them down Henry Street with a few sticks. There'd be there could be a hundred turkeys there, yeah. and these lads would shepherd them down Henry Street, and of course we'd open the, the, there was all tenement houses, all the front doors would be open. Yeah. Two or three fellas would leave off a terry, their terriers and scatter them all over the place. <laughs> and once they went into the hall. Come here. <laughs> if you didn't, you said you never saw a turkey on on Christmas Day. What did you have for the dinner? Well, you see, that time now you had beef. Nice. And I remember one family. Do you know what they used to have? And I thought it was even then. I thought it was hilarious. Do you remember them? The big sheets of um, oh, hake. Hake, yeah. Hanging on. Yeah, they used to be hanging there uh, outside the shop there on the corner of Coy Street in the North Main Street. They had hake for their Christmas dinner. Oh. And it was a friend of mine brought down a bit. We didn't know what a hake was at the time. <laughs> and he brought down a bit to show it to us. Right. But it's just fish, actually. Yeah, fish. fish for Christmas dinner, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know whether every... No, we always had some kind of a chicken or something like that, you know? Yes, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. You know, but uh, like I say, it was all right to get a chicken, but it was trying to keep them fresh for Christmas Day. That was the problem. That's the because thing, because there was... I, it, people don't believe that they don't, they did, you didn't have a fridge, like... Oh, no, 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 no. How would no, you keep it? How would you keep it fresh? Do <laughs> you had a little cupboard out in the backyard? It was called a safe. Right. A lettuce wire on front. Yeah, and if you were trying to keep something um, in the in the winter, in the summer, now you would put a, a little pot into it and with water, and you put the the milk. Now the milk would be in the jug. There was no bottle of milk that time. The bottle, I don't know when the bottle of milk came, mm. but um, that was a big transformation altogether. Bottled milk with the cream on top, right? And um, you you just kept things fresh in the safe in the backyard. Because in the backyard, of course, it was cold, and you put it into the backyard behind behind the behind the wire, so all the dog the, wouldn't all get the it. The sun had to keep it all in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing, you know, I'll make you sick now when I tell you this. Go on, bye. Do, do, do you know about what, what, what? No, you wouldn't have it. I suppose you would have it at Christmas. I can't remember now. But you had this thing that you'd stick into the ceiling for catching flies. Oh yeah, a fly, a fly, a fly strip, yeah, yeah. A fly strip, yeah. You don't see those at all, no. You know, there's, there's no flies at all. No, you just, you just squirt them. No, whatever. <laughs> keep them away, keep them away from the chicken. Whatever you do, yeah, you've, yeah, you've, yeah, gra- yeah. you've grandchildren, Liam. You must love telling them these stories. I do, I do, and they're looking stupid at me. That's <laughs> sure they think I'd be making up. You mean you had no, ch- you had no turkey? No, 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 no. You know, <laughs> we another thing we used to have. Most of the people did bake a big pudding. Yeah. Did make a pudding and they might have it inside in a pillow slip hanging in the hall. That's and then right. You Training. A bit no dig, like, like a yeah. boxing thing. And um, for, like, Christmas was lovely, you know, and we just love going off with the rand, the rand boys. That was Stevens' morning, yeah. yeah. I'm aware we'd head for would be all the glass shit, the. the um, College Road and Glasheen Road and all these places. Posh when houses, When they were all family houses. Yeah. Not like today. If you went out there and out to do the run, you could have dish of wild waters <laughs> one up by some stool. That would just have to come in. He would just have to come in before you and spend an hour sleep. But you know, and we'd go down to McCarry's then in them. Um, McCarry's. I remember McCarry's. Yeah. No, McCarry's for us was, was famous because it had a first jukebox in town. It had. It had still had it when I was going to school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember when they got it in the 40s. <laughs> Good God. And it was brilliant. And we'd go in there 
and we'd separate all our money and we'd buy our milking ads in there. Yeah. God that, almighty. That was a very important day. May I carry God, now no, 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 Liam, we're after hitting on something. I remember we carried very well. Oh, for goodness yeah, sake. And, and after that, then across the door from that, you had the, the Green Shield stamp off us. You did? You did? Yeah, yeah. the Jarrow's there as well. People be well, saving all year for the yeah, Green Shield stamp. I could keep you here all day now talking about that time in my life. Yeah. That was, I remember getting electricity into Henry Street in 1948 as a child. Electricity? We had no electricity. That, that's one the in grandchildren the won't believe. No, in the centre of the city. And we weren't the only one, like. I know. And there's just still a big house. I have to tell you this now before you go. You, I know you're under pressure for right. time. There's a big house here in number 25 Henry Street. Uh-huh. Across from the Mercy Hospital. The house is still there. And there was ten families lived in that house. Ten? Yeah, ten families. And most of my friends lived there. We used to call it the Sunpost Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't be, you can't be at the Cork sense of humour. Liam, I'll leave it there for no reason other than time. I'd love to talk to you all day about the stories. Great stories of Cork about Liam O'Higgin, a historian supreme. And he tell you stories about every corner of Cork. Corners of Cork you've never even heard of. Liam O'Higgin has a story about it. Good man, Liam. 0818969696. Doesn't that sort of enthuse you now to enter again? Keep entering our little competition as to why Cork is the best place in the world to spend Christmas. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call 96 FM. Still taking your entries for our Everyman competition, of course. The Panto is on at the moment. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, no. Yes, it, shut up. Yes, it is. Uh, Beauty and the Beast running now until Sunday, 14th January. And every day this week, we will have two family nights out at the Panta, a Panto with dinner thrown in beforehand. Love doing this every year. So today, we're sending not one family, but two families to the Panto on Friday, 29th December at 7 o'clock. And before that, we will send you to Gallagher's Gastro Pub for dinner for the four of you. And we're asking you today, why is it that Cork is the only place in the world, or the best place in the world indeed, to spend Christmas? Gillian says, Christmas in Cork is simple. No matter what happens during the year, I made a promise it will always be the best time for us. And we'll see as much as our fam- of our families as possible to help us celebrate the most wonderful time of the year. Although the hobby is from Watford, we may have to leave the real capital for a while to see his gang, but we're sure we're still fond of them anyway, says Gillian. Susan says, friendly, caring, helpful, easygoing people. We're like nowhere else. And of course, listening to 96FM. Midaza, says Susan. PJ, I love Christmas in Cork and only Cork because of my fellow Corkonians, the banter, the excitement, the joy and the sorrow of friends and family who are not with us anymore. But most of all, the greatest feeling of being in the greatest city in the world, bar none. And of course, the opinion line, Christmas countdown. This is John and Aileen and Ava and Fionn in Ballancolic. Yeah, the countdown. We've ten shows to go. You know me, biggest child of them all and proud of it. Hi, there's no place like home at Christmas and Cork is home. Family, friends, Cork has it all. And the atmosphere, says Margaret. It's in my heart and in my bones. I love this city. 
and all its tones. At Christmas, there's nowhere I'd rather be but my dear old city by the Lee. Now, a lot of poetry coming in. Thanks, Teresa, for that. Uh, the Share Crib. Oh, yeah. Angela from Ladiesbridge says, Hi, PJ. What makes Christmas in Cork for me is the Share Crib. When I was small, always on Christmas Eve, my mum and dad would bring me into Cork and we'd go to the Share Crib. My dad would give me money to put in the box. He told me this money was to make sure Santa came to the old people for Christmas. I love that. As I grew up and lived in the States for a few years, I missed it. And I knew nowhere else in the world as a share crib except Cork. That's where I love Christmas in Cork, says Angela. Thank you, Angie. Yeah, the share crib. That is, it's Christmas when the share crib goes up. That's I love that. I love that. Um, Paddy Comerford and Bill O'Connell and all that team, they were so funny. In my disco days, I never missed the swans and the panto at the opera house, says Jimmy. Yeah, and the panto at the everyman is where we want to send you, Jimmy. Uh, if we can do that in a couple of weeks' time. I spend Christmas in Cork is where my family is. There's no place like home. That's from Helen. I have pages more, and I want to get yours in there too. 083 396 96 Cork is the best place in the world to spend Christmas. And why would that be? 0818-96-96-96, the number, the text or WhatsApp. As I said to you, 083 396 Now, have you got a massive veterinary bill in recent times. Look, we bring our animals to the vet. Vets are enormously skilled people. They go to college for a very long time and they deal with patients who can't tell them what's wrong and just might bite if you poke the wrong place. So you have great respect for vets. Um, You have to have great respect for vets. Um, But it's expensive, lads. It's very, very dear. And Veterinary Island has been in the Eroctus recently to seek and the government tackle the issue of huge vet bills. They say they're being forced to pass on huge bills to pet owners because the cost of providing care has become so expensive. Julie, Susie Jones is with St. Vincent de Paul's, which is a new one on me. Susie, who are St. Vincent de Paul's? I suppose, what do you do? Good morning. Hi, PJ. Um, Now, what we do is we basically, we're like a food bank. Right. So we provide food to people with pets that can't afford to feed them. You know, like um, money is tight for everyone now. Like, so we we try to help them out by providing food for them so they don't have to worry about that extra bit in their shopping. They have that extra bit of money aside that they can put towards their electricity. We also provide food for those on the streets that have pets. Because, as you know, like, a pet, like, for somebody on the street could be all that they have. That's right. You know, and we also provide food to rescues and shelters. So then they have that bit of extra money as well to put aside for vet care. Because, like you said, vet care is really expensive. Now, like you also said, like, they are highly skilled. Like, the nurses and the vets, like, they're really trained. And they do go to college for a long time. Mm-hmm. But it's just the prices are just extortionate now for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, like, I see a lot of people in rescue. Like, talk to a lot of people who are getting pets in with, you know, with health issues. Like, families bringing their pets to shelters because they can't afford the vet care. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's quite sad, you know, that it's gotten to a point where... As humans, it's cheaper for us to go to the dentist and get our teeth out. But yet, if we were to bring your dog to go to get his teeth out, yet you could be paying out a small fortune to get That's one tooth extracted. Truth. You know, and, and our and dental care is expensive enough. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. So, like, what I was kind of talking about was, like, if there was a way it could be subsidised for people, you know, like like a scheme. Like, not everybody can afford pet insurance either. I know yeah. that scheme is there. But, like, even if there was, like, a, you know, like... For, the, for humans, we have our like drug payment scheme and stuff like that, or the yeah. DMS scheme. Like, yeah. if there was something like that for vet care, like it would be amazing because mm. it would stop a lot of people as well giving up their animals because they can't afford to look after them. Well, and the thing that also... immediately comes to mind, Susie, if you take something yeah. like a pensioner, right? Yeah. Take, take a senior. You know, they're now on their own with the in in the world. They might be in their seventies. They're on their own in the world because their their partner has has passed on maybe and all yes. they've got is the dog all they've got is the little dog and the dog is the the, the dog's nearly as old as themselves um, but yeah. but that dog is their world um, I, I love I would love an idea whereby for example as part of the old age pension as part of the old age pension comes a bit like a doggy medical card Exactly. That, that That's exactly what I would love to see happening. No, I don't think it will happen, but it would be nice if something like that could be put in place eventually, yeah. you know, for people like that, because you would see a lot, now, not just old people, but you see like young families as well with dogs that have like ailments. They might have a massive tumour hanging off their tummy, but they can't afford to get it removed that's because it. they know it's going to cost them a couple of thousand, you know. Yeah. And like, who has that money to throw around now? I certainly don't. <laughs> You know, but like even for myself, I had to put my own dog to sleep in January, like, and it, it was quite expensive, you know, to, to even do that. Even to do and, that is a couple of hundred yeah, quid. Exactly. And like at the time for me, I was out of work because I was on maternity leave and stuff, you know, and like it's just, it's a lot of money, but like you have to do without as well sometimes to ease your dog suffering, but some people can't do without. That's what the problem is, yeah. you know they need that money for other things and sadly like if hopefully something can be put in place where it can make it better for all dog owners you know because it shouldn't be left for the rescues either to to deal with no you know, because the rescues are full the rescues are not exactly. full all year round oh they're, they're yeah, i was only down in the csp CSPCA yesterday myself and they're they're packed like every kennel had dogs in it looking for homes Every breed, any breed you can imagine, like from toy breeds to, to greyhounds, you know. Mm-hmm. Like so many people got dogs during the lockdown when they were at home for, for months on end and they got dogs. Yeah. And, and now they've gone back to work and it's not suitable to have a dog and the dogs are getting abandoned. Oh, Dara, Dara wants to make her day. Dara has a message. Have you heard me talking to you about the, the doggy medical card for the pensioner? Yeah. Kind of thing, right? <laughs> uh, PJ, who would pay for this doggy medical card? I'm not going to pay for a medical card for your dog through my taxes. Sorry now. See that? Yeah. See that's the thing as well. You know, there's obviously there's more like parts of that as well. You know, where people won't want to pay. Like, and it, it will probably would have to come out of taxes and stuff like it that. Will have but, to but, um, it would, yeah. It yeah. Is. But I wonder but, does Dara your medical card to the late, to the woman over seventy? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing. <laughs> you wouldn't know. Dara, don't come for me. <laughs> no, don't. I know it, I, I know it is yeah. different. I know yeah. it is different. In fairness, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. it is. It's different. See, not everybody, like, understands, like, if people don't have pets, they don't understand, you know, what it's like to have a pet and mm. what you would go through for your pet at the end of the day. You know, like, you like if people go to the end of the earth for their pets because sometimes that's all they have. That, and, you know, and that's it's, the it's point, their world. that's all they have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, and it's quite sad. 
Really, yeah. but yeah. so Darius, yeah. da- Dar- look, Darius entitled to feel the way he does. He probably doesn't have a dog exactly, himself, exactly, and therefore he doesn't, he doesn't exactly. understand. That, and that's fair enough. And uh, he exactly. doesn't want to pay for other people's pets, and that and and that's fine too. But by the end of the day, yeah. if you meet a, a lady or a man, and all they've got left in the world is that little four-legged ball of fur, yeah. which is a ball of skin and bone, but but they can't afford to give it a simple thing like heart medication. So many, yeah. so many older dogs need heart medication. It's just a tablet in the morning and a tablet in the evening, but it's it might be thirty or forty quid a month. They don't have it. Yeah, and you see the thing is as well, PJ is um like my my dog now who was passed in January, like he was on like medication for like nerve pain, and it was the same medication that humans are on. It was um Neurontin, it's like gabapentin. That's right. And it he um like in the vet it was more expensive to get that medication than it was in the pharmacy. Yep. You know? Yeah, yeah. I my my daughter's like a veterinary nurse. I should put cards yeah. on the table here. And we've had this conversation. Yeah. She said, Dad, you would not yeah. believe the stuff that's there. Yeah. It's human medicine under different names. And it's actually dearer. dearer. Exactly. And it's not It's not the actual vets mm-hmm. putting that charge. It's no. the government putting these fees. You know? Like, it's not the vets at all. Yeah. But it's just, it's, it's just quite sad that they can't actually do anything about it. Like, I know there's a lot going on in the world and they're probably, like, you know, prioritising everything else. But, like, at the end of the day, like, a dog or a cat is, like, it's, they're essential for some people's mental they health are. and mental well-being, oh, you know. Yeah, I couldn't, like, couldn't agree with you more, Susie. I mean, here's the thing, like, yeah. you know, you take the... Take a tough day. A tough day. Yeah. Um, there is nobody... Nobody, nobody, nobody in the world, and I don't mean you, not, not your spouse, yeah, not your children, know, yeah. nobody will greet you like your dog. Oh, nobody. I'd be perfectly honest with you, Peter. There's been plenty of days there I've walked in past himself and picked up the dog. <laughs> 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 you know? Because, like, that's just, you know, like, people are, like, I, I love my dog more than anything. Like, like obviously, I have a baby now, and I love my baby just as much. But, like, you know, I, like, I would often have walked past himself and picked up the dog. And even when himself proposed to me, like, I actually said to him before I said yes, does this mean you're going to be my dog's? Dad. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, you, because, you may you may look up yeah. your music wherever you get your music. Yeah. I think I think yeah. it was Pete Shelley had the song, and it's a hundred and twenty thousand years ago now, but it was called "Love Me, Love My Dog." Exactly, I know the song, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, you know. Like, um, like, and I actually told him, which is quite sad now. Was like, the, okay, I love him very much as well, but like, like, you know, my dog will always come first before. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Poor guy. Come here. How can people, if they want to, Susie? How can they help Saint Vincent to pause to do the wonderful work that you do? We would be delighted with any food. We don't take monetary donations, PJ. We're um, we're not a registered charity. We're just a voluntary organisation. So we would be delighted with food donations. And it can be any brand of food at all. It can be like from Aldi to Tesco. You know, we take anything. And like what we're repeating for at the moment is wet food, which comes in the forms like dog pouches or Mm. dog tins, because Mm. a, a lot of the dry food, even though it's very good and a hungry dog would eat anything, it can actually upset a lot of mm. dogs that haven't eaten in a while can affect their stomach. Yeah, and, and older older dogs too, they yeah. need to go for the wet food because their their old exactly. teeth aren't the best, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's easier to transport as well. And it's also, you can mix it with the kibble so it lasts a bit longer for a lot of people there's as well. Like, there's someone and who keeps dogs. I know that now, someone who keeps Yeah. <laughs> you can make the back, you make it stretch. Susie, and, and they'll find you where? Facebook? Okay, they can find me on Facebook. And also, I have drop-off bins all over the city. Um, Pets Plus, they have stories in Cove, 
Blackpool, Bramoy, like they, they take donations for me in their bins. I have Morgan's Daybreak and Toker. They take donations. The Spawn, Lennon and Moore will take donations. Fabulous. Like, uh, I have I have loads more. I could keep you on for hours telling you about my draft muffins, but like I post them on the page all the time. Like, and they can even also like contact the page, and we can collect. Fantastic! That's the, and like a lot of jobs, like work work offices and stuff, do collections for us as well. So if there's anybody out there wants to do something different for Christmas with the lads and work, like do a collection for the dogs, like do a food collection. We collect it. We we make a fuss of you on the day. You know, we'll put you on our page and everything, and it'll all go to a rescue or to families in need. All right, Susie, keep up the great work that you do. And if anybody wants to help St. Vincent de Paul's by making a food donation, um, they'd be delighted to get it. Susie Jones, 0818 96 96 96. Um, Dear Mid, you have an idea. You were listening to, to us there. You know, how to make it easier for older people to keep those beloved pets. Morning. Yes, good morning, PJ. Your uh, thoughts? Yeah, it- in, in the old days, um, from the 30s to about the 80s, and I think it still exists if for humans now, starting, but the same idea might work for animals. You used to go to the hospital and pay weekly or monthly or yearly a subscription, and then what would happen is if you got sick, you could go to that local hospital and you wouldn't be paying any fees or x-rays and all that sort of stuff. But the VHI took over probably from the 90s. That was the thing, the Hospital Saturday Fund, I seem to remember something like that. And it coexisted with with health insurance for a while. But you you can take out pet insurance, but you can't for an old 10-year-old dog. Like, there'd be no one touching it. Yeah, well, this is where the, I think the same idea might work, where you would go to the local uh, veterinary clinic and say, can we arrange something directly with your clinic or directly with your vet, Mm. rather than go through the insurance system. And um, then that way you would know that uh, um, if you pitch up to the the doctor, uh, to the vet guy, he would... uh, he would have you on the books and uh, he'd say, oh, yeah, fine. And he'd do the x-rays and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, he might be able to limit it to he can't do chemotherapy or something because that yeah. would be mad. Yeah. Well, you, you have a but, lot of breeds, as well. You see, some, some, some of the most popular breeds, Dearwood, like I, I speak of the, the Cavalier King Charles, probably the most perfect dog to have in a house with a child. But but yeah. but but those little devils, they're great little dogs. They're wonderful little dogs. But pretty every every second one of them has a heart condition. Uh, yeah, and the well, insurance companies the won't touch it. Yeah, yeah, and and the Alsatians, they they all get weak uh, hips and yeah. their, their backs collapse. So it's uh, certain breeds are just too cruel for funny. You know, because of the these trying to keep this perfect um, length and height and all this yeah. carry on. Yeah, uh, your mongrels don't tend to suffer these kind of problems. No, it's true. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, most breeds, people have, as we we prefer to call them crossbreeds these days. Cross- but you're right. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine has something between a cross of a husky and a cross of a, these big uh, Alsatian type things from uh, Belgium. There, they look like Alsatians. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and the thing is, full of fur. I mean, you could throw it out minus twenty, and it'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But when you have one, when you have when you have dogs in your life, you you get it. You, you get it. Um, and uh, there's a saying out there that we don't deserve dogs. And uh, we don't, do you know, we don't. Uh, dear Mid, find some way, could we pay in maybe your weekly funders when you have a dog, whether your dog is healthy or something, maybe maybe pay a 
a certain amount every week to a local veterinary practice and there'll be kind of an insurance for whatever goes wrong with the dog or there are people talking about pet insurance. Pet insurance is great. Trust me, pet insurance is great until you try to get it. Um, it's, it's grand for puppies and it's grand for kittens and the pet insurance companies are brilliant for that. But then, you know, they, there's a lot of stuff they won't cover too. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, but that was the thing that came up last week. Um, the veter the veterinary council of Ireland or veterinary Ireland are saying that providing care has become extortionately difficult to do, and they're passing bills on to people who can't afford to pay them. And heartbreakingly, a lot of pets are having to be put to sleep now. Because, well, look, it might need an operation and it might cost a grand or a grand and a half. But putting them to sleep is 200 quid and that's heartbreaking. But, but it's a decision being made in veterinary surgeries every day. Trust me, it's, decisions, it's a decision being made every day in veterinary surgeries. You know, it's just too expensive. You need to put them to sleep. You want the biggest hits? Well, what if it was um, real 90s? Be unreal. Other people would be like, you want to hear your song? I'm like, yes. Love it. What a tune. You got them right here. The Hit Mix. The Hit Mix. On Cork's 96 FM. I want new music. I want to hear that new tune. Fresh. Fresh new music. The Hit Mix with Brian McAvoy. The Hit Mix. On your smart speaker. On your phone. And on your radio. Weeknights from 8. On Quartz 96 FM. Quick birthday mention for a good pal of mine who is also one of the finest entertainers on the road anywhere, not just in Cork. And he's got a few public gigs. It's an awful lot of corporate work, but he does a few public gigs over the Christmas. Uh, Conor O'Shea, the lounge man. Uh, it's Loungey's birthday today before he heads into a busy Christmas of gigs. Class act is all I can say to describe the man. So happy birthday, Loungey. I'm your old pal, and I'll see you over the festive season. 0818 96, 96, 96. A few more of you who think Cork is the best place in the world to celebrate Christmas, and here's why. It looks forward to the day, but also nods its cap to the ghost of Christmas past. From the excited feet on Panna, to the tunes on 96FM, the laughter of the panto echoing down McCourton Street and on the hills over our beautiful city, the twinkling of lights for the excitement of Christmas Day, let the bells ring out. Merry Christmas from D in Middleton. Thank you, D. that's nice. I love Christmas in Cork. There's no other place in the world that has people like it. Whether you grew up here or not, it's a special nature that's infectious. Cork is warm and friendly and love the crack and banter. That's from Denise. A uh, place to be because it's the Hollybough, the Big Wheel, the English Market, getting the spiced beef, and of course Tenora and Raza, good old Raza, Kira Archer and Grange. Hi, Kira. Um, yeah, Raza. You try and tell anyone else what Raza is, and they won't. They won't and the Hollybough. Now, come on. I'm, I know I'm biased because I'm in it this year, but but the Hollybough. Is there a thing like it? Is there anything more pure Cork than the Hollybough? I love Christmas because I love going to the English market, having a browse through, queuing up for chocolate by the GPO and the friendly people wishing each other a happy Christmas, says Fiona. There's so much chocolate around the GPO now. I'm not too sure which one you're talking about. 
whether you're talking about the chocolate shop right next to the GPO or the Leonidas chocolate shop across the road, which, by the way, the way to my heart, if anyone wants to find the way to my heart, is through Leonidas dark chocolate. But just, 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 just. Just saying, just saying. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. There's always a Scrooge at Christmas. Kate, good morning. Hi, how are you? I just want to know what's going on with insurance companies, considering the claims are so low now, or half what they used to be. Where's all the money going? So, because when they say to people, oh, you know, we have to give you this and that because because of all the claims, That's but right. sure, they're gone way down. So I want to know. Where does all the money go in the middle? Yeah, this goes back to last week when and a lady yeah. rang Gareth and was talking about how her insurance had gone up and Antoinette was on to me. Hers had gone up and someone had told Antoinette on the phone it's because Cork is a where a place where they have a load of claims and she says, Well, I'm playing for I'm paying for other people's claims but then we get the the, the facts and yeah, figures the, the claims are and down. They're way down. The claims are way down and they're not getting half as much in the courts and everything. So somebody's gaining PJ. I'd love to know who. Que bono, Kate. Okay. Yeah. Qui bono is the old saying. Oh, oh yeah. Who benefits. I know, yeah. yeah, yeah. But somebody, yes, yep. somebody yep, is, and, and a lot of people's new car insurance starts in January, and the bills are coming in now, and it's very high. That's true. They are. They, they've come in. We used to pay us before Christmas, and you know they're high. But we're just caught up because we bought. You know, when you buy in the winter, you have to pay it in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the problem. <laughs> I know. Anyway, listen. Have a great Christmas, all of you. And you, sure, maybe, maybe we'll talk before, maybe we'll talk before. Thanks, Kate. Yeah, insurance, car insurance, those facts and figures, and the papers were full of them at the weekend. How the PIAB, the Personal Injuries Assessment Board, and the payouts through PIAB, and the, as a result of payouts from PIAB, so many people are not going to court now. Payouts are down, claims are down. So why is the insurance still going up? It's a great question. It's a great question. No one's at, no one's answering it yet. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, Glenn, you just want to do some good deeds. You're overflowing with the Christmas spirit, and you posted <laughs> up on the Carrigaline notice board on Facebook, uh, particularly for single parents who who would like some help with what Santa has brought. Morning. Yes. Yeah. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Um, yeah. Look, it was just I kind of. Myself, I was part of a single-parent family as a kid, you know, and my sister and myself, and just a mother. So I kind of see now every year parents struggling to find people to assemble stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, stuff that Santa's brought. And I personally said, look, I mean, I've done it for a few years where people have contacted other people on notice boards, like the Caroline one. And I said, look, this year just to save people a bit of stress and worry that it would be nice if I could just offer my services to do it for them. You know, get them to book me for a time or a place to assemble stuff. And um, again, it's just something, I mean, look, I'm kind of, I'm used to helping out people around Carrigline. I'm, you know, I help out my neighbours quite a lot. Um, I kind of stems from when they used to look after another before she passed away, you know. Okay. So I kind of, I got the bug, so to speak. Sure. You know, sure. to help out people. And it, you could get great, great satisfaction from it, you know. I'm sure, um, yeah. You, you, they say here to me that you have a beard and a belly too, like Santa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're telling me to dye my beard white. 
you know I also have three big dogs so I mean I can have them to pull a sleigh you know or uh, or what like you know I mean so you probably can people can I think it's a lovely idea Gene because there's nothing worse Santa brings something like a dolly house uh, and it's there and there's like there's 200 everything pieces yeah. and and you don't know yeah. where to start and you've got to try and cook a dinner and, and all that and yeah yeah yeah, it's a massive struggle for some people. Some people have problems reading instructions on the back of a packet of, uh, you know, a dinner thing, you know. So, I mean, it's it's just, I I just want my services to help people. I mean, look, I've done it a few years now in a row, um, and I just don't see fit people looking to pay, you know, twice over. You know? I love that idea. And people can you get know? you through the Carrigaline notice board, yeah? Of course they can, yeah. Um, I also was reached the day, the same the same or the night after it by a girl looking to help her out with toys for her children. Now, my post never mentioned me doing that, but I still said, look, leave it with me and I see what I can do. And I created a second post where I was looking for stuff like vouchers for Smith or something, you know, to help them out. Mm-hmm. And again, Carrigaline didn't fail to disappoint. Um, so I'll be going in Wednesday to do the shop to get the toys for her and her two young kids. And um, yeah, look, you're a decent it's skin. Ki- it, it's it, yeah, it's it's kind of stemmed from that, and obviously being put up on Instagram there by um, uh, Julie, as you you know her very well, I suppose. Okay, um, yeah. Um, she posted it on my behalf, which again was unexpected. Yeah. You know, and it's Julie, again, Julie it's very from nice. Twins and me. Yeah, yes. yeah, we know Julie. Yeah, and um, you're just if, if people can come and find you, and you'll set up the toys that Santa brings, and of course, but man, you're a, you're a, you're a decent you're a decent decent skin. No, look, again, look, I'd do it for anyone, PJ. You know. Um, I don't normally say it for dogs to people, but <laughs> this time of year, it's, it's I kind of stick with the people, you know. Um, so. yeah. All right. Okay. Well, look, three um, dogs. I'm, I'm, what kind of dogs have you? Uh, can, I, can I say this on radio, yeah? Go on. <laughs> uh, two Rottweilers and a Belgian Malinois. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> three sweethearts, I suppose. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, there. definitely. Yeah. You know, they're great dogs. Yeah. Um, people know me around Carriglane as a dog guy, so... Oh, yeah. I, I'm I'm known as a handyman and the dog guy, so... You're a responsible I, owner, which means that they're safe. Pretty much, yeah. Property. But as I said, as long as it doesn't kind of go yeah. anyway, like derogatory, like, you know, I'm I'm quite happy with those Understood. titles, you know? Understood. Listen, Carriglane Noticeboard is where they can find you, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And listen, I appreciate you getting on to me for this and highlighting it. It's, no. it's, it's great. My pleasure. You My know? pleasure. And Glenn, that's, yes. Good. Happy Christmas to you, sir. You too. Take, Take care. care, man. That's Glenn. You'll find him, Glenn Pitcher, P-I-T-T-E-R. You'll find him on the Carrigaline Notice Board. Or he probably has his own Facebook page. And he'll do these little things, these little good deeds for Christmas time. And we want those over the next couple of weeks, too. We've got 10, well, we've got nine shows and 20 minutes left um, over the next two weeks. Stuff, nice stuff, you know, just nice things that people are doing for one another. Because part of what's coming through on our Why is Cork the best place to spend Christmas is just the decency of us here and how we do stuff for each other. And when we come out for one another, there's nobody like us, nobody in the world. Um, We have 
a few minutes left for you to get in. What do you love about Christmas in Cork? Why is Cork the best place in the world to spend Christmas? And our best, our two best at the end of the day, will get family passes to see Beauty and the Beast, the Everyman, on the 29th of December. That's a Friday at 7 o'clock. And before that, we'll send you to Gallagher's Gastro Pub for a nice, handy bite to eat. 0818 96 96 96. A couple of more of your comments. Liam, Johnny says you could listen to Liam O'Higgin all day. I know. I know. And if you'd all day to listen to him, he'd fill it for you, true. To Shiona on dogs. Look at the, those that took on those magnificent dogs and then just dumped them during lockdown. Should we named and shamed and fined? Shame on you. No excuses, says Shiona. Fiona, so many people did it. They got pups. And then the pups got older and they dumped the pups and they put them into, yeah. And on, it was just a conversation. I mentioned a while ago talking to um, from, from uh, Susie from St. Vincent de Paul's that wouldn't it be lovely for elderly people that once they had a pension that there might be some kind of a little medical card of sorts for their doggy just for basic veterinary treatment just to keep the little bit of company that they have because for some people that's all that they have is their little old their little old dog little old Jack Russell might be all they have in the world or a little old cat might be all they have in the world and I certainly wouldn't begrudge a person who's on the old age pension on the state pension I wouldn't begrudge them having some little bit of help with that, with looking after their dog or their cat. Other people feel differently and that's okay. People can't get medical cards and you want to give them to dogs, get a grip. No, I didn't say that, John. It's just a nice idea. To be a nice idea. You know, and I, I do honestly think that once you get to a pension age in this country, which is now 66, once you get to the, the pension age, you know, you've, you've, you've given 40 years of taxes and everything into the state. And, and we need to look. We should look after you. But that's just me. Look, that's just me. Just me. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six on rental scams. PJ, I was looking for accommodation for my daughter in Cork in September, and the amount of scams on Facebook pages is frightening. Uh, on Santa being asked for skincare, this is almost beyond me now. PJ, I just downloaded that app. Thanks so much for. Uh, raising this topic, the peer pressure in my child's school is ridiculous. She's only 10. Yucca. Yucca is the app. Yucca. Yeah. As regards to assembling stuff, YUK, apart from assembling stuff, we did something here. It's a long time ago now. Uh, and I'll, I won't get in trouble for telling it. We did it here years ago at 96FM. We weren't long in the city, in this, our new home, as it was when we came in, our new home. We weren't long here. We came up with the idea that Santa would pay us a visit on Christmas morning and that he would meet downstairs. He would be downstairs for an hour downstairs and he would have batteries for all of the presents that he'd left under the tree that we'd forgotten to buy batteries for. Because Santa doesn't deliver batteries sometimes. Be sure of that. But all the presents that left under the tree that need batteries. (laughs) One year we decided that Santa... would. Would pay, would would pay us a visit here on the way back for an hour, and their queue ran down into Bridge Street for batteries. I'll never forget it. One of the presenters of the original Bosco, uh, entertainer supreme, comedian, scriptwriter, 
and he was one half of a fantastic se- series we ran on 96FM years ago that became a fully-fledged stage show that toured the country and sold out theatres up and down the country. I speak of the great Frank Toomey. Word has reached us this morning that Frank has passed away. I, I met him recently in Blackrock and the poor devil... He didn't look well, and I understand he's been unwell for quite some time. But word has reached us this morning that um, Frank Toomey, one half of Santa Panza or Bust, a former uh, presenter of Bosco. And uh, I know that the first person I think of when I hear of Frank this morning, not just his family, of course, but his great friend and longtime stage partner, uh, Packy O'Callaghan. Poor old, poor old Frank. Um, Frank Toomey uh, gone from us today gone too soon uh, one of the one of the voices of Cork 0818 96 96 96.